Well, during the War of 1812, American forces attacked into what is now the current territory of Canada in order to burn the British town of York. And in retaliation, the British marched into Washington, D.C., where they burned the U.S. Capitol. Four months later, both countries agreed to end the war, and they went to Belgium, where they signed a peace treaty on December 24, 1814. But tragically, news of the treaty was delayed in getting back, and on January 8, 1815, two weeks later, the two sides clashed in the Battle of New Orleans, where more than 2,000 men lost their lives. There's a popular saying that ignorance is bliss, but in this case it was tragic because nobody knew the treaty had been signed. And there are times in our own lives that not knowing something can lead to tragic results. As we turn in our Bible today to Judges chapter 11, we're going to see another example of how dangerous ignorance can be because what we're going to see today is there was a man who had great zeal for God, but zeal without biblical understanding led to tragic results in his life, that of his family, and the nation. So I invite you to look with me now at Judges chapter 11, where I want us to pick up the story where we left off last time. You recall that Jephthah had been called to be the commander-in-chief over the quickly formed Jewish army. They had been under oppression for 18 years under enemy occupation, And Jephthah was raised up to be the commander-in-chief of the new Jewish army. And he first tried to work out a peaceful solution to the conflict. But the enemy, uh, the Ammonites, wanted war. So in Judges 11, 29 through 31, we're told, Now the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, so that he passed through Gilead and Manasseh. Then he passed through Mitzvah of Gilead, and from Mitzvah of Gilead he went on to the sons of Ammon. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. And he said, If thou wilt indeed give the sons of Ammon into my hand, then it shall be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the sons of Ammon, it shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. Now what happens is, as Jephthah prepares to go to war, he makes a vow. And at one level, vows are a sign of devotion or commitment. You can think about marriage vows. When you make a vow at your wedding, you're saying, I'm devoted, I'm committed to you. A vow can also fall into the category of a bargain, uh, which is what Jephthah is doing here because we see there's a condition. He says to God, if you will give me the victory, then I will give you whatever comes out of the door of my house. Now, Jephthah didn't need to make a bargain with God. You'll remember that God had promised Jephthah that he would be with him. We read here where the Spirit of God had come upon Jephthah. He already had all he needed for the victory. But it appears that Jephthah needed more assurance. Perhaps as he looks at his ragtag army, uh, he begins to have doubts. It could be that he, he's fearful that God is going to withdraw his presence and his power from them. And he says, I've got to bribe God. I've got to give him something to guarantee uh, that he will give me the victory. So he offers this prize to God. I wonder how many of us have had similar struggles in our own lives. Maybe you faced a, a situation where you're wondering, is God really there? Is God going to come through for me in this crisis? Uh, some people see God as distant and harsh, and we think I have to bribe God. I have to, I have to get him to love me. I have to offer him something in order for God to help me or love me. But what the Bible tells us, friends, is that God loves us even like we are. Romans 5.8 tells us he demonstrates his own love toward us in this. While we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. When it says we were yet sinners, it means we were in rebellion, enemies of God, far from him. And yet God, it says, loved us. Loved us so much that he left his throne in heaven to come to earth to ultimately go to the cross to pay that penalty of death that you and I owe for our sins. We were far from him, lost in our sins. And yet God loved us enough to leave heaven and come to die for you and me. It's what John 3.16 tells us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have the gift of eternal life. This Christmas season is where we remember that God came and he took on flesh and blood to go to the cross to die for you and me. Left on our own, we were helpless. Left on our own, we were lost. But God, thankfully, did not leave us on our own. He left heaven to come to earth to die for you and me. We're saved by grace through faith alone in Christ alone. We don't have to bribe God. We can't earn our way to God. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tells us that. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one should boast. We don't have to bribe God. We don't have to try to earn his favor. Speaking of giving and getting, there was a book written called Children's Letters to God. And in it, one little boy wrote a letter, and he says, Dear God, if you give me a genie lamp like Aladdin's, I'll give you anything you want, except my money or my chess set. Does that describe any of us? God, you can have anything you want, except for what is most dear to me. And yet, sometimes we find ourselves, even in a situation that is so severe that we're willing to let go, even of those things most dear to us, we say, okay, God, what's it going to take? Here's a blank check. Put whatever you want down. Just come through for me. And that's Jephthah here. He says, God, whatever comes out of my house is yours if you'll just let us win the war. And as we see in verses 32 through 33, God came through. He gave Jephthah and Israel a stunning victory. So now it's time for Jephthah to come through and pay what he promised. All that's left is to see what it will be, which is what we find in verses 34 through 35. When Jephthah came to his house at Mitzvah, behold, his daughter was coming out to meet him with a tambourine and with dancing. And she was his one and only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. And it came about when he saw her that he tore his clothes. And he said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low, and you are among those who trouble me. For I've given my word to the Lord, and I cannot take it back. Jephthah sees his little girl, a young woman, come out of the door of his house. She's dancing, she's twirling, she's playing tambourines. She's celebrating this this victory. And what the text literally reads is, Jephthah was knocked to his knees. This moment of joy and victory suddenly becomes sorrow as he sees his daughter. Friends, this isn't his chest set. This is his child. He had promised God, whatever comes out of the house is yours. And all of a sudden, he's, he's, he's seen what it's going to cost him. I want you to burn this moment in your mind because it highlights for us the danger of what happens when we say things, when we make a commitment without thinking through uh, the possible consequences. 
Many of us can think of a time we said something or started down some path without really considering all the consequences that could come from this choice, from this commitment, this vow we're making. If you talk to any of my kids, uh, they can tell you there's, there's a line that I've taught them uh, so many times that, that you know, I hear them now repeating it to their friends. Uh, they'll say, uh, well, you can choose your actions or you can choose your consequences, but you can't choose both. You can choose your actions or your consequences, but you can't choose both. Now, what does that mean? Well, the way I've illustrated it for them is I've said, uh, think about driving. As you're going down the road, you see a sign that says school zone, 20 miles an hour. And I said, now you're faced with a choice. What's your action going to be? Are you going to follow the law? Are you going to obey the speed limit and go 20? And I said, if you choose the action to obey the speed limit, then you don't have to worry about potential consequences like a policeman being there shooting radar. Now, if you choose the action to violate the speed limit, the consequence can be that he's going to stop you and he or she is going to write you a ticket for speeding. And I said, or worse, there could be a child who runs out into the street and because you're going too fast, you can't stop in time and you hit that child. And in a worst case scenario, you could kill the child. I said, do you want that consequence? Oh, dad, no, I don't want to kill a kid. I said, okay, then you have to make a choice. What's your action going to be that will keep you from the consequence? I tell them it's the same thing with sex. As you read in the scriptures, Hebrews 13.4 tells us to keep the marriage bed undefiled. I say, God has given us gift as a sex, uh, given us sex as a gift. And I say, you have a choice. Are you going to honor God's boundaries? Are you going to do what it is that God has designed and said, this is a, a precious gift to be preserved for marriage? And I said, if you do that, you don't have to worry about consequences like getting or giving a sexually transmitted disease. You don't have to worry about an unwanted pregnancy. If you honor God's uh, boundaries, you make that choice, you control your action, then you don't have to worry about the consequences. And as we're looking at this passage here, we, we see where sometimes consequences can come from what we say or do, not just for ourselves, but for others. Because in this instance, it impacts Jephthah's daughter because his daughter is the one who has to cash the check that her dad wrote. He said, whatever comes out of the door of my house is yours, God. It will be offered to you. And she now is the one faced with cashing this check because verses 36 through 40 tell us. So she said to him, my father, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me as you have said, since the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the sons of Ammon. She said to her father, let this thing be done for me. Let me alone for two months, that I may go to the mountains and weep because of my virginity, I and my companions. Then he said, go. So he sent her away for two months, and she left with her companions, and she wept on the mountains because of her virginity. At the end of two months, she returned to her father, who did to her according to the vow which he had made, and she had no relations with the man. Then it became a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to commemorate the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileite, four days in the year. Now, there's a strange passage of Scripture to read, right? And as you read it, there's a debate that goes on here as to what actually happened to Jephthah's daughters. Daughter, singular. Some will say, well, uh, what she did was become dedicated as a servant to the Lord. She was sent to the tabernacle, and there she was a perpetual virgin. She served God the rest of the days of her life. And others will say, no, what happened is she was physically killed as a sacrifice and offered up. 
Now, as much as I'd like to come down on the side that says she was just dedicated to a life of service in the temple because, I mean, let's be frank, this is horrible to think of, isn't it? A father kills his daughter because of a rash vow that he made. But as we look at the text, the evidence, I believe, is there to say she lost her life because as you look at verse 31, Jephthah says, whatever, and you'll notice that's highlighted there, whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return. Now, the typical home in this day uh, had a courtyard built onto the front. It's where they would keep their livestock and store things. And so what Jephthah may have been thinking is, well, when the gates are opened, uh, the first thing that's going to run out is the family dog. It may be a sheep that gets out or something. And he says, so whatever comes out of the house uh, is going to be given over to God. But there was also the possibility it could be a person. Because when it says whatever there, it is literally translated in the Hebrew text, he comes out, the one coming out. It's in the masculine form. Now that can be a male or a female. Uh, But when it says Jephthah's thinking, there's a possibility a person could come out. I mean, remember there are servants in the home. There are gatekeepers. As the the gates are opened, as the door opens, uh, it's probably going to be the servant. Jephthah, as he goes off to battle, would have left a soldier or two to be a bodyguard for his daughter. That person would have been stationed at the door, so he thinks as the door is opened, uh, this soldier is going to come out. And Jephthah's thinking, well, there's a possibility uh, it could be a person. It could be a servant. It could be a soldier. But he didn't think it would be his daughter. Human sacrifice is something that others did in that day to secure the favor of the false gods that they worshipped. And remember, the people of Israel have been under pagan influence for 18 years. They've adopted the worship of the pagan gods. Jephthah's saying, hey, this is a dire situation. We've got to offer God a big prize. And the people, the Ammonites, sacrificed their children, as did the Moabites, who we saw last week, were in that area. You can look at 2 Kings 3.26, and it tells us this in the Bible. When the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through to the king of Edom, but they could not. Then he took his oldest son, who was to reign in his place, and he offered him as a burnt offering on the wall. And there came great wrath against Israel, and they departed from him and returned to their own land. The king of Moab is facing a desperate battle, and he says, I've got to offer the gods something to, earn their, their, to bribe them, to earn their favor. And so he kills his son, the successor to the throne. He said, this is such a dire situation, we will give anything to win. And Jephthah is in a desperate situation himself. And he says, okay, God, whatever you want, it's yours. Whatever it takes. And as we see from his reaction, he didn't think it would be his daughter who came out because he falls to his knees. Did others in the Bible kill their children on the Jewish side? Absolutely. Sadly, we see that with Ahaz, Manasseh. They sacrificed their children. Now, this isn't what God wanted. God's word was very clear. It was an abomination to him. You can read Leviticus 18.21, Leviticus 20, verses 2 through 5. You can read Deuteronomy 12.31, Deuteronomy 18.10. Each of those places, God says, it is an abomination to kill humans. I don't want human sacrifice. You can see, uh, though, that at times it happened. As I said, Ahaz, Manasseh. The book of Judges, remember, was written in a time of great spiritual darkness. 
people either didn't know God's word or they didn't follow God's word. The theme verse of Judges is found in Judges 21, 25, where it says everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And there were those in that day who, who made rash vows. Later on, the first king of Israel, King Saul, made a, a vow. He was facing an enemy. He made a vow nobody's to eat anything until the sun sets. His son Jonathan didn't know what the, the king, his father, had said. And he dipped his staff in honey and just tasted a little. His eyes brightened. He was able to continue fighting. And uh, Saul finds out that his son violated the vow. And he says he has to die. 1 Samuel 14 says King Saul was going to kill his son. But then the people of Israel rose up and they protected him. 1 Samuel 14.45 says the people stepped in to stop the killing of Jonathan. (laughs) Friends, that should have happened here. The people in Israel should have stepped up and said, Jephthah, you made a a dumb vow. You spoke rashly. You shouldn't have said this. You did. We're not going to let you kill your daughter. But we're living in a time where people either didn't know the word of God or were unwilling to step up and do what the word of God said. I want you to think about the day in which we live. Here in San Antonio in our time, think about the condition of our country, of the world right now, and ask yourself, how much do we look like the book of Judges? Do we live in a time where everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes? Do we live in a time where, as the scriptures say, there is a famine for hearing the word of God? Do we live in a time where people either don't know the Bible or are unwilling to to do what the Bible says? Ask yourself how many times you see something happening in our society, in our school, in the marketplace, in the military bases where you serve, where somebody is going against what God says, and ask yourself, are you willing to be that voice, that man, that woman, that boy or girl who's going to step up and say, thus saith the Lord, we're not going to do this, this is wrong. I'm going to stand for God even when nobody else will. That should have happened here. Somebody should have stepped forward and said, Jephthah, you are not going to kill this young lady. But Jephthah makes his vow. His daughter doesn't know what the vow is. She doesn't know what he's promised. She's been back at the house, so she unknowingly becomes the focus of verse 31. Whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the sons of Ammon, it shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. Now, you notice the word and is highlighted there because the entire interpretation turns right here on that word and. And it's actually a single letter in the Hebrew text. It's the Hebrew letter vav. And vav can be translated as and or it could be translated as or. And or. And the way we take it changes the meaning. If it's an animal or a person who comes out, it says it would be sacrificed as a burnt offering if it's and. Now, if you take it as or, you could say if it's an animal that comes out, it'll be a burnt offering. Or if it's a person, then it'll be dedicated to God. But you may be thinking, well, that solves the problem. I like the second option. It's an or. She was just dedicated to serve. Now, we have to look deeper into the text because the text helps us to know what is happening. Another part of interpreting the meaning here is tied to the structure of the sentence. Now, don't let your eyes glaze over here. It'll just be brief. Uh, But there's something called Hebrew grammar. And when you look at Hebrew grammar, when you have a vav plus a perfect tense, as we have here in the passage, what this is telling us is how, 
how the subject will become the Lord's. Remember, I told you there's two options. She either becomes a servant perpetually in the temple or she becomes a sacrifice where she's offered on the altar. So this is telling us how she becomes the Lord's. Now, as we continue looking at verse 31, there's the Hebrew word hola. Now, this isn't the Spanish word hello, uh, but we want to say hello, what are you doing here? Uh, Hola means to ascend. It speaks of the smoke of a burnt offering. Those of you who love to smoke meat, you know kind of as that smoke is ascending, that, that, that you know, beautiful smell that you have as you're smoking meat on the, the grill. This is what it's talking about. It, it, it speaks of an offering that was given by fire. It's a burnt offering here. Now, some will try to do grammatical gymnastics here. They'll say Jephthah's daughter was dedicated to service to the Lord where she ascended up the mountain to the tabernacle and she was consumed fully as her life was given as a perpetual virgin there in the temple. And while it's a beautiful picture, that's not what the text is telling us. Because 100% of the time you find this Hebrew word hola in the scriptures, it means a burnt offering. Uh, it was used in the passage we read a moment ago in 2 Kings 3.27 where the Moabite son was killed and he was offered on the altar as an hola, a burnt offering. Now, if Jephthah has a daughter who's killed, then why is there all this stuff said about mourning her virginity? Uh, okay, for those of you who didn't glaze over the first time, here comes another Hebrew grammar lesson. Uh, when you have a vav plus a subject in a verb pattern, as we have here, it's called a disjunctive clause. Now, there's not going to be a test over that. So here, let me put the cookies on the bottom shelf. What does that mean? What it means is this is telling us her condition. It's describing her condition at the moment she was sacrificed. It's, it's what is talked about where she died a virgin. And as she dies a virgin, so does the entire line of Jephthah. Because in verse 34 it says, She was his one and only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. This all adds to the tragedy. It becomes a national tragedy because not only is she killed, the line of Jephthah is killed off. And their new leader has no legacy to continue. And when it says that they remembered her sacrifice, the Hebrew word that's used here in verse 40 is tavak. Tavak is a very rare Hebrew word. It's only used one other time in the entirety of the Hebrew Old Testament. And we saw it earlier in Judges, back in Judges 5.11, in Deborah's Song of Remembrance. The word is best translated as to recount or commemorate. It doesn't mean to talk to. Some commentators will tell you, well, the people would go to the temple, they'd see Jephthah's daughter, they'd wave at her and say, hi, you know, so good to see you. That's not what's being talked about here. She was killed. One Jewish commentator says the annual commemoration was held in order that none should make his son or daughter a burnt offering as Jephthah did. Now, you may be wondering, Roger, is this really a big problem in the Old Testament days? Was everybody killing their kids off? Uh, the point of the, the meaning here is that we need to learn from the mistakes of others. You know, the tuition's a lot cheaper when you let somebody else pay the dumb taxes for you, right? Where you look at the mistakes they've made and say, it eh, didn't turn out so well, I'm not going to do that. And, and this is what's being talked about here. Now, you may be thinking, okay, I've got this one down, don't kill my kids. That's the application, right? Well, that's certainly a good point of application. I mean, don't do that, right? 
As parents, there have been times where you've probably thought, you know, I wish the Old Testament law where I could stone rebellious children was still in effect and, you know, these type of things. You know, we've, we've maybe all had those moments. Uh, but we need to go a little bit further. We can take the specific principle and apply it in general terms. We've been talking about don't make a rash vow. Don't react in a rash way. Remember that the next time you're driving up the road and somebody cuts you off and that moment of road rage comes over you, right? Think of the consequences that can come if you react uh, the way that you maybe want to at that moment. Or right now, as uh, many are you know, considering Christmas and the shopping season upon us, uh, don't make that impulse purchase. Now, spouses don't start elbowing each other uh, at this moment, but you know, think about the consequences that can come if you just kind of go wild and it affects your family finances and all the things that will happen when the, you know, those bills come in January and you're like, what did we do? How are we going to pay for this? Another principle we can apply from this passage is to learn to look farther down the road. Play out the scenario. If I push this domino, what's the next one and the next one? Like I said, you can choose your actions or your consequences, but you can't choose both. And so learn to think through the scenario and what the impact can be because few things ever happen in isolation. As Jephthah made his vow here, it affected him and his daughter and the nation. And, and both of them say the vow must be paid. In the scriptures we find in Numbers chapter 30, verse 2, if a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to bind himself with a binding obligation, he shall not violate his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Deuteronomy 23, 21 through 23 tells us, when you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it, for it would be sin in you, and the Lord your God will surely require it of you. However, if you refrain from vowing, it would not be sin to you. The point of that says, uh, think before you speak. It's better just not to make those vows. You shall be careful to perform what goes from your lips, just as you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised. Maybe you've seen the movie Mary Poppins. Uh, there's the original version. In it, there's a scene where the children have just had a great day with their new nanny. And they're all excited, and they're, they're kind of the little girls there. And she says, Mary Poppins, you won't ever leave us, will you? And the little boy ch- chimes in. He's full of excitement. He says, will you stay if we promise to be good? And as Mary's tucking the, the kids into bed, she says, listen, that's a pie crust promise. Easily made, easily broken. You know, we live in a day where vows or commitments are are treated as pie crust promises, right? Easily made, easily broken. You make a business deal that you go, you know, the margins aren't that great, supply costs have gone up, uh, I'm not going to make as much money, or I may even lose money on this deal, and you think, so I'll just walk away from it. You may be in a marriage where things are tough right now, your marriage is a mess, and you think, you know, I know I made a vow, I know I made a commitment, Uh, I said for better or worse in sickness and in health, but I like the multiple choice. I choose better, I choose richer. I don't choose poorer, I don't choose worse, so I'm just going to walk away. When things get tough, the world tells us, if you're not happy, well then just, you know, walk away from your commitments. Friends, the Bible tells us that we need to be men and women, boys and girls whose word is our bond, 
The Bible says, let your yes be yes. When you make a commitment, when you make a vow, follow through. Even if there's great personal cost to you, God doesn't want us living like the people of the world. He wants us to be people of the word where we fulfill our commitments. Now, when it comes to what we're looking at today, what does that mean? Am I saying that making his daughter a sacrifice was the best scenario that, you know, he made the vow, he needed to follow through and pay it? Well, remember what the Bible said. That's an abomination to the Lord. And you go, yeah, but Roger, you just read me two verses that said, God said, whatever you vow, pay. So which one is it? It's both. And you go, wait a minute, how can it be both? How, how, how can we uh, do both of these things? Well, that's a perfect example of why we need to know the word of God. Because if you really know what God's word says, in it there was a solution that would have saved this young woman's life. If you look in your Bible at Leviticus chapter 27 and verses 1 through 8, it tells us this. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When a man makes a difficult vow, he shall be valued according to your valuation of persons belonging to the Lord. If your valuation is of the male from 20 years, even to 60 years old, then your valuation shall be 50 shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary. Or if it is a female, then your valuation shall be 30 shekels. And if it be from five years, even to 20 years old, then your valuation for the male shall be 20 shekels, and for the female, 10 shekels. But if they are from a month, even up to five years old, then your valuation shall be five shekels of silver for the male, and for the female, your valuation shall be three shekels of silver. And if they are from 60 years old and upward, if it is a male, then your valuation shall be 15 shekels, and for the female, 10 shekels. But if he is poorer than your valuation, then he shall be placed before the priest, and the priest shall value him according to the means of the one who vowed. The priest shall value him. What this is telling us is, number one, the best case scenario is that Jephthah didn't make a rash vow. He didn't do it. But it's saying, second of all, given that he did, there was a way God had given to both honor the vow as well as to protect the sanctity of life. You could redeem a person's life with a financial uh, amount of money. The shekel was a weight. Remember, Jephthah had just won this big battle. He had all the spoils of war. He had more than enough means to pay the redemption price to redeem his daughter because of his rash vow. He could have paid his vow to the Lord biblically and spared his daughter's life. But because no one knew what the Bible said, or because those who did know what the Bible said were unwilling to step up and say something about it, At that moment, this young woman lost her life. And that's a key part of the application that we need to take from this passage today. Why it is so important for all of us to know God's word. And you're saying, well, Roger, I don't think I'm going to face a situation where I need to know how much to pay to redeem somebody's life. But friends, the Bible tells us about one who came and paid the redemption price for you and me. His name was Jesus Christ. And he came and he paid the redemption price for you and me. He covered the cost of your sins and mine as he went to the cross to pay the penalty of death. Because the Bible tells us all of us here are sinners. All of us here have betrayed God. 
we have gone against his word, we have disobeyed, we have lived lives that were not 100% perfect. That's what it means to be a sinner. Romans 3.10 tells us, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us is a sinner. And because of that, every single one of us owes a price. The Bible tells us in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. You see, you can't earn your way to God. You can't bribe God. If you say, God, you should let me into heaven because of how good I've been, God says, you've been a sinner. There's none righteous, no, not one. Roger, you're a sinner. Every one of us is a sinner. And because of that, what you've earned by how you live your life is not entrance home to heaven. God says, what you've earned is death, eternal separation from me. Now, the good news is, Romans 6.23 goes on to say, the wages of sin is death, but... The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember, salvation is a gift. John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 told us, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works. If we know the word of God, we know that we are all lost. We know that our friends, our family members, our co-workers, people we see on the street are unfortunately headed for eternal separation from God in a place that the Bible calls hell. And God says, but no one has to go there because I came and I went to the cross and I paid the penalty of death for them. But they have to receive my gift of eternal life. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. We have to respond to that gift of grace. We have to receive it. We have to accept Jesus as our Savior, the payment in our place. And if we know what God's word says and we share that good news with others, then we can save them, not just from a physical death here on earth, we can save them from an eternity lost as they're separated from God. So brothers and sisters in Christ, do you know what the word of God says? And if you know what the Bible says, do you possess the courage to be the one who will go and tell others that there is a way home to heaven? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so as those who know the message of grace, those who know the gospel, what the scriptures tell us, God has given us uh, the words of life to share with others. So as we come to a close today, I want to ask you, have you personally received God's great gift of eternal life to you? Do you know what God's word says about Jesus Christ and who he is? How he left his throne in heaven to come to earth to take on flesh and blood. The reason he took on flesh and blood was because he had to offer his blood as an offering. The book of Hebrews tells us without the shedding of blood, there can be no sacrifice for sin. There is no redemption without the shedding of blood. The sacrifices that were given in the temple were temporary. They could not remove the penalty of sin. Hebrews tells us that as well. It says the blood of bulls and goats and other offerings could not take away that sin. But then one came named Jesus Christ. And in John one twenty nine, John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And as we come to a close today, we're coming to the communion table. And what we're being reminded of is the sacrifice of the Son of God. The one who came and took your place and mine. 
as we're in this Christmas season celebrating the baby born in Bethlehem, remember, friends, he came to ultimately be the Christ of Calvary, to be the one who would go to the cross to give his life to die for you and me. And so what we have here in our hand this morning is, is a piece of bread and a cup of juice. And if you're at home worshiping with us, you can take the crackers or bread or whatever element you're using to celebrate communion. We heard earlier as the, the Advent candles were lit that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which literally means the house of bread. So as you peel back this top, there's a wafer of bread representing who Jesus was, the bread of life who came to give his life for you and me. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, you can take at this moment and say, Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. And I thank you that you came and took my place. You died for me. And today, Jesus, I accept your sacrifice in my place. I believe you're who you said you are, the Son of God, the one who came to take away my sin. And today, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. If you've done that, then you're a believer in Christ. And you're welcome to this table as a a member of the family of God. And so now as we take this piece of bread representing our Savior, Jesus, tell him thank you and eat it in remembrance of his great sacrifice for you and me. Now you can peel back the next layer. Be careful not to spill that on yourself. As we think of what's in this cup, it's just grape juice. But it represents something so much more. It is the precious blood of our Savior, Jesus, who shed his blood for you and me to wash away our sins. The blood of Jesus, drinking in remembrance of him. Join me, please, as we go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of eternal life. We thank you, Jesus, that you as the Lord of life willingly left your throne in heaven to take on flesh and blood so that you could ultimately take on our sins. You went to the cross, Christ, giving your life as that perfect and permanent sacrifice. Today, we thank you, God, for that gift. We thank you for the the gift of life that we have through faith in your son, Jesus. And Father, as men and women, boys and girls who are believers in you, you've given us the gift of your word so that others can know the message of the gospel, the message of new life. Would we be those who are faithful to go and share with the world around us what you've done and who you are? Thank you again, God, for your gift of grace. Thank you for life. May we be messengers of life to those around us. We pray this in the name of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.